Well, I'm glad to be here. It does bring back uh, interesting memories and good days. Ballotin. I didn't know where Ballotin was. Uh, sometimes I still don't know where it is. <clears throat> yeah, I just know it's always windy. And today seems to be extra windy. But you can look at that prophetically as a good sign. Maybe the Spirit of God's getting ready to blow. Wouldn't that be cool? I'm really glad to be here. And the last few years I haven't, I haven't been here as, as often as I was in a former day. And that's fine. That happens. I, I've got churches all over the place that I'm going to. So what's, what's really encouraging to me is you can sometimes go even years and then you get back and it's like you never left. There's something in the family, there's something knitting in the spirit that's been established, and it never changes. And uh, so I really appreciate this church. I'm really thankful to God what's happening here. And seeing lives uh, impacted for the gospel. I've got an interesting challenge today. I'm trying to be obedient to the Lord. I felt God wanted me to share some things as if you had never heard the gospel in your life. And you don't even maybe know what the Bible is. And I also want to share that as if you're 40 years old in Christ, and you probably know too much in your head and need a little bit more experience in your heart, but I want to share some things that's going to cover uh, an interesting range. How long do we normally go on a Sunday morning? That would be helpful. What time is it now? It's 11 o'clock. I'm serious now. I want to be sensitive. Can I go 40 minutes? I mean, pulling it back. Can you pull it back to 40 minutes? Can I pull it back to 40 minutes? Yeah, we'll we'll be fine. I'll submit to local authority. Costa Deer used to tell us that when I pastored and he was my spiritual father, he said, I submit to the local authority as long as you're hearing God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Turn with me in your Bibles quickly to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. A lot of times what happens around New Year's, uh, around the New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Day time, what do people tend to do? Look at their life maybe. Look at an aspect of their lifestyle. And what do they make usually around that time of the year? A New Year's resolution. What are you resolving to do? You're resolving to change. I used to do that. I remember one time I had a bad drunk. Oh, I woke up sick. I said, this is ridiculous. And I resolve. Changed my life. You know how long that lasted? About two weeks. I would say... Most, if not all, of your resolutions have bit the dust. But I am going to talk about change. And I am going to say it is possible to change. In fact, I'm going to use this word transform. Boy, is that different from resolution. Transform is what happens to a caterpillar who fulfills what he was born to be, which is a butterfly. It's actually a biblical term. Paul uses it more than once. In the Greek, it's metamorphosis, to change. Let me ask you a question. How many got areas in your life right now that need change? 
Let's get real. Let's get honest. And so here is the good news of Jesus Christ. Come as you are. Leave as he is. Somebody say, that sounds good. Come as you are. You got to be real. You can be open. You can be a mess. You can be a disaster. You can have a litany of mistakes. You can have a religious background where you tried so hard to be good and work your way to heaven only to discover it doesn't work. You can be out in the world doing drugs, sexual perversion, carnality to the max. Here is the invitation of invitations. Matthew 11. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let me say that's good news. I can come as I am. As I am. See, religion causes people to be fake. Religion causes people to have an outward facade. That will get you nowhere. And with that religious mindset, that leads to human resolutions. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to change my life. It's not going to happen. So Jesus comes and he says, come as you are. Come unto me, all you who are weary. He also says in John chapter 7, if you're thirsty, come unto me and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. If you're really thirsty, if you're really hungry, come to me just as you are, and you will be satisfied. In Isaiah 55, here's what the prophet says. It's another invitation. And the invitation is, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy, without money, come, buy, and eat. Now, that's a little bit of a paraphrase. Here's the interesting question we need to look at. What is the currency God honors? He's offering to sell something to you. If I buy something from Alan, and Alan has something I want, Alan sets the price. I give him what the price is. We have an exchange And I receive from him what he offers. Jesus is offering each and every one of us today in a fresh way what he has to sell. But money is useless. So then I asked the question to myself one day, Lord, what is the currency that you will honor? Anybody want to take a shot? And it's the only currency heaven will honor. But if you present the currency to God, you get what he has to offer. Please agree with me, church. You want what he has to offer. He has a lot of stuff to offer. Love, no depth can quench it. Hope, freedom, eternal life, 
victory, joy unparalleled, peace so profound, your neighbors are shocked and stunned. How can you be peaceful? Surrounded by issues. He has a lot to offer. What is the currency? You. You are the currency. And so what the Lord says is, why don't you come to me just as you are, surrender your life, spirit, soul, body, give it all to me, and I will exchange you with me. Somebody say, deal of the century. Deal of eternity. Come with all your fears, and I will give you faith. Come with all despair, I'll give you hope. Come with all your bitterness, and I'll give you forgiveness. Come with all of whatever we have, and I'll give you what I have, which is everything. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We don't know her name. I'm not quite sure how old she is. My guess would be late 20s, maybe 30s, possibly early 40s. She comes that day like any other day. And she comes for water at noon, not at supper time, for a reason. Most of the women came at supper time, because in addition to getting water, they would fellowship and communicate. How many know sisters love to fellowship and communicate? I go around a lake by my house and walk with a brother, and we grunt every once in a while. And then two or three sisters are walking around the same lake, and they come, and they're usually walking faster. And when they pass us, I'm telling you, it's ongoing dialogue. Sisters, you are born to communicate. She doesn't want to show up at supper. She doesn't want to communicate. She doesn't want to, she doesn't want to open up her heart because she's got a life that has gone to hell. She's got a life that is a disaster. How many of you still have your kindergarten picture when you went to kindergarten? Have you ever looked at those pictures? One time I was drawn to those pictures, and I'm looking at the faces of those five-year-olds, and there's such innocence, there's such anticipation, there's such... Cindy, you know, come on, you teach them. You know, there, there's such a, a, a sponge and such a innocence and such a vulnerability, and, and you look at those pictures of all those kindergarten with life in front of them and hope in front of them and an adventure in front of them and they all are this yielding, exuberant, now flash forward, come on. Now they're all 35. And we take the same picture. And maybe a few have joy in their face and that sparkle in their eye. But some can't even look up. Some faces are dark. Some faces are bruised. 
What happened, little girl? How did it go so crazy? And she comes that day, like any other day, a survivor, hurting, broken, guilty, condemned, just wants a pot of water. And someone's waiting for her. And she comes just as he is, or she is. And he says, give me a drink. You know what the first thing that impacted her was not so much the words as the tone of voice. She has been demanded from all her life. She has been verbally challenged and abused many times all her life. And the tone and quality of the voice immediately begin to warm her heart and begin to draw her heart. And she was intrigued by this voice, obviously kind, obviously inviting. And she's stunned by the request, give me a drink, because he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan, he's a man, she's a woman. How can you ask me the question? He said, well, if you knew the gift, if you knew what operates in my life, if you know what I have, if you know the grace of God that operates in my life and heart, if you know the incredible abilities that I have within me, then you would ask me and I would give you water that will forever satisfy. She says, you can't draw water. You have no bucket. She doesn't get it naturally. And so he starts and continues to talk about the water, and here's what he says. you got to love it. If you drink of the water that I offer, you will never thirst again. Now, she doesn't understand fully what he's saying. If you drink of this water, you will thirst. You drink of my water. You know, I used to drink a lot before I got saved. It was ironic. I could drink all night long and wake up thirsty. Isn't that a bummer? Doesn't work, does it? See, there it is. That's the line of deception of the enemy. And so Jesus says, if you believe in me, and if you receive what I have, I will, I will receive you, give you my water, and you will start to be changed, and you will be delivered. So she said, hey, let's do it. Give me the water, please. Go call your husband. Ouch. Getting a bit probing. Let me tell you a little bit about the grace of God and the heart of God. It doesn't let us off the hook. It doesn't just throw it out. It will now address and deal with an issue in her life. Well, I understand you have no husband. That's true. But you have had five. And it was five failures. And so now you're just hanging out and living Because your expectation is it will be just one more failure. So really you have no husband, but you've had five. Her eyes get real big. Her heart begins to pound. Now this is where God is different. This is where grace parts from religion. Because the more grace exposes your need, the more grace exposes your issues, the more grace exposes your darkness with its light, you actually feel drawn to it more and more, somebody say, that's really good. Because there's a transformation that's about to take place. There's a change that's about to take place. She's got to come as she is. Come on, don't pretend to me. Bless God, she didn't lie. I understand, you've had five husbands. Later on, her testimony was, 
or is to her hometown, come and listen to the guy who told me everything I ever did. Somebody say counseling session, mother of all counseling sessions. But the more he exposed, the more I was drawn. The more I was drawn. And so uh, she gets a drink. And she begins to drink deep. And then Jesus starts talking about worship. Isn't it interesting that right after the water is presented of a fresh drink, he starts talking about worship. This is the whole deal, church. As you come to the Lord just as you are, and you receive from him what he has to offer, one of the great signs of that, one of the great manifestations of that is God releases worship in your life. God releases depths of worship, fresh encounters of worship. And so he starts talking about worship. And then later, she goes to her hometown, and this woman with hidden shame, who could barely lift her eyes and look you in the eye, goes to her town, boldly proclaims to the whole community, come and listen to a man who told me everything I ever did. She goes from a hidden, isolated, tormented life to a life where she's a public, flaming evangelist for Jesus Christ. Somebody agree with me? Wow. That's the ability of Christ to change our lives. I'm here to announce good news to you. You don't have to remain stuck. I have believers that I've been working with for 30 years. They're still stuck in a certain area. Not an issue of heaven. It's not an issue of going to heaven. It's an issue of being stuck. Who would like to be unstuck? Transformed. John 2, the first miracle Jesus does to point to his divinity, to point to his mission, to point to his overall goal and ministry is at a wedding. And he takes some water and he turns it into wine. And here's what the Bible says. This first sign that Jesus did, water into wine, testifies to his glory and was a sign what he was all about. I'm telling us in a fresh way today, God takes us just the way we are, come as you are, and we can leave as he is. Now, it's a process. It's a process. If you're not saved... If you have never been born again, you can come today just as you are. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to look good. You don't have to try to be something you're not. You just come as you are. If you're here born again, but you've not been baptized with the Spirit of God, I'm telling you, surrender to Him. Come as you are. How am I today, Lord? Well, I'm empty. Good. I can fill that. I can fill every crevice of your heart. I can fill every valley of your life. I can fill every empty part of you with my life, with my grace. I'm telling you, it is the exchange of eternity. Come as you are. I'm tormented with bad thoughts. I go to bed at night and I get nightmares. My kids get nightmares. It's like demonic forces Plague me. Come as you are. I have authority and power to totally set you free. 
Come as you are. I'm sick. I'm wrestling with this. I'm wrestling with that. Come as you are. And I'll release healing virtue and healing power. My marriage is a disaster. Come as you are. Humble yourself and I can pour out grace. And heal a marriage. Heal a heart. Church, I've been doing and preaching to God's people for 40 years. And I'm now of the belief it is not good news. It is great news. It is great news. It is an incredible offer of exchange. You have nothing. He has everything. You're empty. He fills. You're hopeless. He is hope. You're loveless. He is love. I want to give you now vitamins to continue the transformation process. And so that as you consider these vitamins, and I'm going to give them quick because, good grief, this is a seminar in itself. But I'm going to get them on tape. Don't worry about taking notes. But I'm telling you there are spiritual vitamins that if taken, if received, if responded to, they will continue the change in your life. You don't have to go stagnant. You don't have to go off into a detour. You don't have to level off as a believer. I don't care if you're six months old in Christ, six years old in Christ. I don't care if you're 50 years old in Christ. I still need to change. Bob, you still need to change. We all know Mike needs to change. Praise the Lord. Now, these are really pretty simple. Number one, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Paul actually uses the word transform in this verse. This is part of our Paul seminar, but I'm just going to mention it quickly. You, you, you alumni, you know what this is all about. Paul says, come to Christ, and as you behold Christ, you are transformed into his image. Now, what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians 3, 18 is worship. You become what you behold. You don't mature and change from water into wine by looking at how bad your water is. You look at how glorious his wine is. You look at how beautiful the Lord is. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, be transformed by beholding Jesus Christ. Somebody agree with me? He's beautiful. He's awesome. And, And I can behold him. I can behold him. See, this is why Satan puts... Uh, certain things in front of certain guys' hearts at 3 o'clock in the morning, because if you behold that, you become that. It captures your eyes. But we can behold the Lord. We can behold the Lord. Number two, Romans 12, 1 to 2. Paul uses the word transform again here. Here you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the Word of God. And you present your bodies a living sacrifice being transformed rather than being conformed to the world. You are transformed and you are a living statement. Every one of you have relatives. Every one of you have friends. If you're new in the faith, if you're old in the faith, whether they say it or not, they're watching you. And you are a testimony. Paul says you're a letter read of all men. And uh, my family's still watching me. I got one cousin that I'm still knocking on the door. He's still saying no to Christ. 
but he can't deny. He told me when I got born again, I'll give it six months. You'll be back in the bar with me and off we go. Well, it's 45 years later. He's still watching. And ministry's taking place, and travel is taking place, and preaching the gospel is taking place, and all kind of things happen, and changes happen. Hopefully, I'm being transformed. I need to be more transformed. Johnny gave me a good encouragement thing during the life of Paul. He said, you got so much more love than when you first came. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I was kind of like, when I was young in ministry, I was a bull in a china shop. I was a bull in a china shop. And I offended anything that moved and breathed. You, you speak the truth, but you weren't speaking the truth in love. You know what God does? He has breakings. He has dealings. He applies the cross. Why? Because we're going to be transformed. We're going to be changed. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men and all the Christian counselors couldn't put him back together again. That's what God's after. Be renewed by the mind. Now, the Bible helps you, by the way, to renew your mind. Okay? It gets you thinking better. It's the mind of God. It's prophecy reveals the heart of God. Teaching reveals the mind of God. You need both. Number three, Galatians 2.20. Every Christian should memorize Galatians 2.20. It is Paul's gospel in one verse. There's the great exchange right there. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in Jesus Christ. Actually, the King James says the faith of Jesus Christ. Your heart's like a center stage. There's only room for one actor. God wants to be the lead actor in the movie of your life. He doesn't even want you to be a supporting actor. He wants you totally off stage. It's kind of like driving a car. And all of a sudden, I invite God into my car, but I'm still driving. And finally, the Lord says, why don't you give me the steering wheel? I think I can do a bit better job. Okay, Lord, take the steering wheel, but now I'm still in the back seat. Every once in a while, I reach over. I grab the wheel, take control back in my life, frustrate the plans of heaven, upset my wife. And finally, the Lord says, with a great smile on his face, by the way, and a lot of love in his heart, Chuck, why don't you get in the trunk? Why don't you get in the trunk and stay there? How about I drive and let's go for a ride? Child of God, all the heroes of your faith, all the testimonies that stir you, are people who went in the trunk and stayed there. That's all it is. I no longer live. That wasn't a verse for Paul. That was his lifestyle. To say that means I'm not in charge. And Christ is the center actor of my life. Galatians 2.20. Now, if you're taking notes next to Galatians 2.20, write Colossians 2 and Romans 6. Because that's all those chapters are, is Paul's expansion of Galatians 2.20. And what really happened on the cross? Quickly. I only got 12. How are we doing? 25 minutes. I got, because I'm going to play a song for you at the end too. And I'm not even going to sing it. All right, where are we? Number, number, that was number three. Number four, very, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Just, if you're taking notes, write the word caught up. 
caught up. This happened to Paul frequently. This can happen to you frequently. You need to get caught up. Caught up where, brother? To his house. Not too long ago, I was praying. I felt like the Lord said this. Stop praying and asking for me to come down. You know that old covenant prayer in Isaiah? Rend the heavens, O Lord, and come down. That's old covenant. New covenant is come up. Revelation 4, come up. Paul says when you're born again, you're sitting where? Up in heavenly places seated in Christ. So the Lord is encouraging me, don't ask me to come down. I'm asking you to come up. Caught up. Paul, in the greatest, darkest time of his life, was caught up. And he saw the glory. My wife gets a report. Cancer. Your world is rocked. Sucker punch from hell. I go home stumbling and staggering with tears in my eyes. I go off on an errand and I come back. She's got worship service flooding the house. She's on her knees with her hands raised up, tears flowing down her face. And you know what's happening to the daughter of the king? She's getting caught up. Church, you want to get caught up. That's why you want to worship, Brian. It's not a matter of door. It's getting caught up. Once you get caught up, you see with his eyes rather than your eyes. You feel with his heart rather than your heart. And everything changes. When you get caught up, the Lord is magnified and the enemy is minimized. Amen. It's like telescopic glasses put on your heart. And you see the majestic majesty of God. See, there's a whole lot more we could say in each one of these. We've got to keep going. Let's blame Mike. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where are we? Number five. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. With speaking in tongues. Church. Paul says, I speak in tongues more than you all. He says, I would that you would all speak in tongues. Mark 16, Jesus says, a sign of a follower and believer in me, they will speak in new tongues. Uh, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized with the spirit of adoption. I could give you all kind of testimony of people who say, once I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, wow, then I had a witness. I had a, a deep assurance. I really was born again. I really was a child. And you do not get the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you get born again. They are two distinct, separate experiences. So please, get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Filled to overflowing. It'll bring you to a whole other level of change and transformation. It'll bring you into a whole other level of freedom. Mike's right. I remember dealing with my son who wasn't entering into worship. Front row church I'm pastoring. He's 11 years old. I, I whispered in his heart very lovingly. I said, Dan, if you don't raise your hands right now and surrender your heart to God in worship, I'm taking you up front and we'll do it together in front of the whole church. Whoa. Those hands went up. Bless God. And you know what happened? He met the Lord. And was released into a whole other level of worship. Church, you worship with spirit, soul, and body. 
When David brought in the Ark of the Covenant to Mount Zion, he got so fired up, he danced almost down to his underwear, totally free. His wife mocked him. The people rejoiced. He told his wife, tomorrow I'll be yet more vile for God. Are you kidding me? I, I got to get into this freedom, this joy, this presence, because I need to be free. Why does God want people to do this? Try it one time. Just, see, just, just try it right now. Just, just do this. Okay? Just, you know what you're telling God right now? What are you telling God? I'd love more, Lord. Fill me right now, Lord, would be nice. What am I telling God when I do this? What's that all about? Satisfied? Really? Don't need any more today, God. No. Do you know when you dance before the Lord in the tabernacle of David, it's a twofold meaning in the Hebrew? Not only are you praising and rejoicing before God, but the Hebrew word has the idea you're treading underfoot your enemy. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, I came out of this particular background. I know that's why you're changing. That's not, hey, my personality, I'm, I'm laid back. I'm laid back. I know we can change that. We can change that. See, worship is all about getting you out of self-consciousness into God-consciousness. And when you hide behind personality quirks and you let self-consciousness rule your worship, you allow yourself to be robbed of a great anointing of freedom in worship. Where are we? Number six. Number six, Ephesians 1, verse 18. Please pray this prayer a lot. Ephesians 1, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. Now, why did Paul pray that? Well, obviously, I can be a believer in Jesus Christ. I can be spirit-filled, speaking in tongues, and still be blind to certain areas of divine truth and the treasure that I have in Christ. So Paul says, keep praying that the eyes of your heart are enlightened so that you may know the depths of the treasure that you have in Jesus Christ. If you just go natural and... and uh, What's an illustration? I can't even think of one. You got a million dollars in the bank, but you can't see it. You can't see it. So you keep going, and you're content with drawing out a hundred dollars, a couple hundred dollars. Well, that's fine. But listen, there's a deposit in you called a treasure who literally is Jesus Christ, and he is loaded. I'm not talking about... Greed. I'm not talking about foolish materialism and justifying greed with silly doctrines of bogus prosperity. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the riches and the depth and the quality of life that is in Christ Jesus. Hey, I'm not mad. I'm fired up. Where are we? Seven? Water baptism. Believer, water baptism. This is so freeing. This is powerful. If you've not been baptized scripturally as a believer in Jesus Christ, ASAP on your agenda. It is much more. Now, here's the, here's the party line that I was taught on that is false. It's, well, it's not false. It's not fully true. Well, it's just an outward sign to an inward reality. No, 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 no. 
It's much more powerful than that. Paul uses this word when he talks about baptism in Colossians 2. Circumcision. Who's heard the word circumcision? Who knows what circumcision is? Knife. Separation. Uh, setting free. And when you're baptized and buried. Why are you laughing, brothers? It doesn't matter. Praise God. I suppose we could use the word painful as well. Who knows? Whatever. That, that's all I know is when you're water baptized, do it public, by the way, at a lake or a river, and you are buried with Jesus Christ and prayed for, you will come up free. Because to die is to be separate from flesh and spirit. One guy had a problem with hearing. He said, I can't go in the water. Every time I go into the water, I get an infection in my ear, and it gives me a problem. He says, that's caused by a spirit of infirmity. Listen, your flesh dies. There's no place for a demon to manifest. You understand the dynamics of a demon needs flesh to operate in. If you kill the flesh, the demon has no room to operate in. Are you tracking with me? That's the power of circumcision. That's the power of death. He went down in water baptism, came up totally healed. Because the spirit of infirmity was severed from him, circumcised from him by the power of water baptism. He was also a lifelong smoker. All of a sudden he realized he went three days without smoking. And then the devil came to him and said, hey, it's time to light up. He said, why should I start smoking? I've never smoked a day in my life. He's not lying. His whole life was dead and buried. Are you kidding me? I've been transformed. I've been transformed. When Jesus cast uh, the demons out out of the legion, and they go in the pigs, right? Those demons don't want to be in those pigs any more than a Jew wants to eat those pigs. So what what do the demons do? Where do they drive the pigs? They baptize them. (laughs) They baptize the pigs. And when the whole herd dies, the demons are free. Well, just look at it reverse. Come on. Get water baptized. Don't mess around. There are countries in the world that people get water baptized publicly at risk of their lives. And we're going to monkey around with some silly theology of baptized as an infant and whatever. One of my great joys was doing a water baptism at Way of the Cross. My mother was there, 85 years old, beautiful dress, and and it was spontaneous. There were people that were going to get baptized. They understood the power of baptism, and so we had about 25 more that went into the tank with Sunday best on, including my mother. It was cool. Where are we? Number eight, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. I got three minutes, then we're going to do our song. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. I am what I am by the grace of God. And there's two words that will get more grace operating in your life. I would encourage you to move in these two words. Number one, 
humility. Number two, weakness. God's grace is irreversibly attracted to humility and weakness. He opposes pride and he opposes your strength. So when you run in your own strength to try to solve your problems, you just ran out of grace. So that's why you want to be weak. And that's why you want to be humble. Praise God. Number nine. Uh, John 12, 24. That's just the seed going into the ground dying. And if the seed goes into the ground and dies, the shell is broken and out comes incredible fruit. That's how you get changed. There's just times in your life you go through the mysterious hours of God's dealing. I don't have time to elaborate. Each one of these points is a whole message in themselves. The point is, there's just times in our life where God leads us to that dark time. In the history of the church, it's called the dark night of the soul. It's a time where you seem to can't find God, and you can't figure God out, and it's just dark, and you feel lonely. It's what happens to a caterpillar when he goes in the chrysalis, For a time where it gets really dark, really isolated, but then in that dark hour, the seed breaks and the butterfly emerges. There is no other way. It must come. Thank God it's an hour, not a lifetime. But it must come. Number 10, Malachi 3, 1 to 3. That's just allowing Jesus to be the silversmith in your life. You know how the silversmith works? There's impurities in the silver, but they're not aware of it. Hey, there's things in my life I'm not aware. My wife is. (laughs) I'm not aware. So what God does is he heats up life. He heats up the silver, and the impurities come to the surface. Here's the good thing about God, though. He never overheats. Just enough to get it to the surface. Then he scoops it out and he knows when he's done when he sees his image replacing your impurity. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. That's what it's all about. You are growing and being transformed into the image of Christ. Number 11. This, this is biblically historic right here. I'm going to get done and... My wife would be... It must be Mike. I'm submitting to Mike. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, 11 to 16, number 11, come into rest. Come into rest. Come into rest. Come into rest. Please, I would memorize Hebrews 4, 11 to 16. Cease striving. Cease striving and enter into your Sabbath rest who is Christ. And he has a throne called Grace. And the closer you get to it, the more grace you have. And the closer you get to that throne, what I would encourage you to do is bow the knee. And the more you surrender to his kingship, the more of his grace comes into your life. Wow. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Number 12. Matthew 3.17. Ask God to speak this word to your life. Ask God to speak this word to your life regularly. Behold my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. 
Come as you are, leave as he is. Now that you're saved, keep coming to your father and let him speak to your spirit. Behold, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. I need to hear that regular. That has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with who you are. One time I had a really bad sermon. And if I had any doubts, my wife said that was really bad. (laughs) My kid said, Dad, we love you, but that was bad. I think the dog bit me. (laughs) And that Friday night, I'm home alone. And I'm kind of weepy. And I finally say to myself and to God, Lord, that was really bad. I need to hear I'm your beloved. You know what? I heard it really deep, really cool. You know what else? His presence filled my living room. And then I realized once again, he loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They're weak, but he is strong. And once again, he reminded me, I love you for who you are, not for what you do. We're going to play a song. I want you to close your eyes. It's going to go about five minutes. I'm going to turn over to Mike. just want you to rest. I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to receive. And whatever is in your heart towards the end that wants to respond, that's fine. Brother, make sure we get enough volume on that thing and you'll be able to tell. Just close your eyes and rest in Him. Come, just 